All right, so hello everyone. Uh, this is the Tell Your Story podcast. Um, my name is Kwanzaa White, <clears throat> and so today um, this will be the very first episode. So uh, this podcast will be talking about uh, sexual assault, bringing awareness to it, uh, having survivors on the space to be able to share their stories. Um, and also um, have allies on to talk about and speak about um, what they're doing to help bring change to the uh, communities, um, organizations, and stuff like that, too. Um, And so with me here today is Sophie Peterson. Uh, So uh, if you would like to introduce yourself um, and let people know about uh, who you are, what you do, and a fun fact about yourself. Okay. So, hi everyone, my name is Sophie. Um, I'm a super senior, I guess, super, super senior, um, studying molecular biology and chemistry at Eastern Michigan University. Um, What do I do? I mean, I'm a student. That's really what I do. And I've been doing a lot of um, political activism surrounding um, sexual assault, especially at our university. Fun fact about myself, um, I just got a kitten, <laughs> and she's really cute, and hopefully you won't hear her pop up in the background. <laughs> For sure. Um, so uh, this episode will be probably in uh, 45 minutes long, uh, so, um, so we will be delving deep into a lot of, like, you know, the issues that have been going on, especially because um, I'm also a super senior too at Eastern Michigan, um, but I'm currently taking a break. Um, but this uh, podcast too, also welcome back, is, to, is also in response to a lot of things that has been going on on, on our campus with the sexual assault allegations and cover-up, um, and especially not only on our college campus, but in every other college campus as well too. Um, so, uh, to start off, um, so Sophie, uh, if you would like to share your story and your own experience and just, you know, delving into, you know, why it's important for you, uh, to bring more awareness to an issue, an important issue such as sexual assault. Okay. That's like a big umbrella (laughs) question. (laughs) So, okay. I can, you know, work my way through that. You can like remind me what I'm doing along the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, just, you know, keep me on track. But um, I guess my story starts in August of 2018. So um, almost three years ago now, almost, we're not quite there yet. But um, at this time I was, this is when I was actually supposed to be a junior in college. I was going into my junior year of college and um, I had just moved back, you know, to Ipsy, where, you know, everyone leaves and their families or whatever in the summer, and then you all come back. And, like, like the middle of August, the first couple of weeks, it's, like, really fun because you're getting to see all of your friends that you haven't seen all summer. Mm-hmm. And the first instance of sexual assault, I know it's a hard word to use, but I try to use it because I don't want it to have power over me. Um, <laughs> the first instance of rape occurred to me, um, during that period of time, we were all, you know, we were kind of all going out to like little local parties at people's houses and doing all of that sort of thing. Um, 
that's not my big story though. That's just something that happened that kind of leads up to the big story. I know it's weird for me to say that like one rape wasn't a big deal because that's not true. Mm-hmm. But it kind of led me into making the decisions I made moving down the road. Um, I had a relationship with somebody, um, a man who wanted to have sex with me. And I, you know, at the time I wasn't sure about it mm-hmm. um, because I was a virgin. I didn't know if I wanted to have sex with him because it was, you know, mm-hmm. that's a bigger decision I feel like when it's the first person you're going to have sex with. Right. Mm-hmm. And when I got raped, that was my first sexual experience. And it kind of made me feel like, well, at this point, like now, what do I have to contemplate? Like, I don't have anything to lose anymore. And so I need to start a sexual relationship with someone who turned out to be the most, I don't know how to describe him, he is terrifying and manipulating and just, I mean, he's a rapist. <laughs> he he uh, serially raped me that entire semester. Jesus. Yeah, it was hard because I didn't, I didn't realize because of, you know, the fact that I liked him and that because he was so heavily manipulating me, that what was happening to me was rape. I thought it was okay, mm. which kind of doesn't, you know, doesn't make sense. You'd think like it would be really clear. Like when you see a friend who's in an abusive relationship, it's very clear to you that they're in an abusive relationship and you're mm-hmm. like, out of it just get out of it but it's different when you're the friend that's in it you know Mm -hmm. you can't see you have all these rosy colored glasses you know you have like the love bombing that a manipulative individual does where they occasionally will tell you all these things that they love about you and they'll talk about your future and they'll do this and they'll do that Mm -hmm. strip it all away from you and make you feel like the most minuscule insecure like worthless human and that's that's controlling you know Mm -hmm. i know i'm not the only one who's had this experience i'm sure people who watch this will um will have had maybe an experience with someone similar but it was obviously physically abusive but it was emotionally abusive as well and I'm still, you know, struggling with the PTSD from that whole entire semester worth of rape today. And that's why I'm a super, super senior because mm-hmm. you, know, you can't, you can only do so much when you have um, severe PTSD, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, say what you're saying. Uh, so um, then, uh, so the next question then would be uh so um after so did you go to the title nine office then on on the college campus and if so how was that whole entire process um especially because i know like different different people especially a couple people i know went through uh went through very interesting um like interesting like uh circumstances with the office as well Um, yes so I did go to Title IX, but I went regarding the first rape. The initial mm-hmm. one, 
that made me decide to get into the sexual relationship with the other person. So person A, I went to Title IX about, and I will explain my experience. Um, so my parents, like I told my mom about what happened and she suggested Title IX because obviously Title IX seems like a good resource, right? Like they tell you to go there if something's wrong, that something happens to you sexually and they're supposed to like make it easier for you because you're distraught. You're, you know, you're experiencing PTSD symptoms. It's incredibly emotionally heavy. And I went and at the time, Melody Warner was the person who I saw. Mm-hmm. I think she, she was the head of the office here at Eastern Michigan University. And um, she, the way that the meeting went is she started by having me just sort of like recount the events. And I could barely get any words out about it at the time. So she kind of had to ask me questions mm-hmm. about actual details. But the way she she said it was like, I'm gonna take a report. Like I'm gonna take a report here of all the information. So if you ever decide that you wanna report it, I can just send it over. Mm. And I'm like, okay. So like, I don't know why we're putting me through this trauma right here, right now, again. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to talk about it, but it should be very clear that I'm traumatized with little detail about the sexual trauma, but that's what we did. And she told me that I could report it, but you know, probably nothing would really happen if I did. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I got some, you know, some help with school, I guess. That's really the only mm-hmm. support that I got. Um, they, you know, I got some, I was able to get some deadline extensions for assignments and such things so that I could try and stay in school. But I mm-hmm. ended up drawing from the whole semester except for one class. It's the only class I didn't fail that semester. I got a C. That was the best I could do <laughs> that semester. Mm-hmm. I didn't get out of bed. Um, it was bad. And they, there's, I, I guess there's protocol that they're supposed to follow in the timeline office. Mm-hmm. And they, they don't follow it. And I don't know all of the legal details, but every time I've told this story to the local police station, because I, I have cases against my um, assaulters, and mm-hmm. when I've spoken with attorneys, they're just shocked at what I have to say. And to me, it doesn't sound shocking because it's the same story every other person. Mm-hmm here at Eastern, if not worse. There are worse Title IX nightmares here, but they don't, know. They don't, they don't do anything. Yeah, it it's definitely sounds like it's frustrating, um, especially because of how much and how often this has been occurring to just not only you, um, but to also like multiple other people, um, you know, especially with the experience they had, you know, and wanting and the resources there that that should be there, you know, especially for people where they need to go through, you know, to report, you know, um, reaching out to the police department, you know, um, and you know, see and how like each and every year there's some big like unveiling of like of something relating to sexual assault where like it's just be like, 
wait, what the what the hell? Uh, and then it's just like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do better by you know improving like these small little policies have like sort of like some sort of like some sort of conference or something, and then all of a sudden it's like back to business as usual the very next year, and then unveiling it again and yeah. again. So if, if they did follow their policies. Not all of which I agree with, for the record. Mm -hmm. But if they did follow their policies, things would look different here. They're not following them. Mm -hmm. So what? So, so what? What specific policies then would you say that they don't follow then? Um, I don't. Okay, I would love to have more expertise. Yeah. To give you like this exact document, this exact moment. I think if I had. If I, you were to let me go for like an hour, I could come back and I could show you everything mm -hmm. specifically, but I'm going to have to talk kind of vaguely here. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure, anyone, I'm sure some people know better than me here. Um, but I'm pretty sure that they are required to report anything that you say, even if you don't want to press charges, to local police. Like really? do. So they they would talk sometimes they would talk to EMU police, but EMU police doesn't do anything because EMU police is um serving the university and it politically it looks good for the university to have low rates of sexual assault. Mm. If you kind of see like what the issue is, she you know Melody has heard the same names over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. People, men, women, non-binary individuals coming into that office and they said, this person assaults me or this person rapes me. And she heard those names repeated two times, four times, eight times and didn't ever give, give Ypsilanti Police Department a call and say, hey, I have at least X number of girls here who are saying that they were assaulted by this person. Maybe you ought to put them on your radar. Like, I don't know what you if I were mm -hmm. at Title Nine. What? what? Repeat that again? I'm sorry. I was gonna say if I was the head of Title Nine, if I kept hearing the same name over and over again, mm -hmm. they didn't want to report, I would not just let those reports sit in my computer in that way. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Definitely, like it. And that's what was happening, and that's why they're saying that it was swept under the rug. I don't know that EMU was maliciously trying to sweep cases under the rug, mm -hmm. but sure as hell weren't following whatever rules you're supposed to follow. Because according to every legal official that I've spoken with, my attorney included, Melody didn't do what she was supposed to. I'm sorry, I can't elaborate further on that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, like, this is, again, this is an issue that's very pervasive, but also very systematic, as, you know, as the example that's presented. Right. Um, especially because, like, again, like, you said you heard, you heard the, you heard the, you heard the name uh, of it multiple times, and, Oh, uh, someone uh, by the name of Lori Peterson uh, said uh, the college is obligated to provide a prompt, thorough, and equitable investigation of any report of sexual harassment and sexual violence. This 
this obligation remains even in the absence of a formal complaint. Um, okay. So, so, <laughs> so let's say let's say that Melody did report it every time to the EMU police. Mm -hmm. Maybe that means the EMU police wasn't doing their job. So it's mm. it's in the university umbrella, if you know what I'm getting at here. Mm -hmm. The part of what irks me about it so much is because, or is that I'm sorry, for <laughs> my words here. Um, I feel like survivors don't have any good resources. I don't want to go to Title IX. Maybe I'm not ready to, to CAPS, which is our therapy. Or basically, it's like our therapists that are on campus that you can go to. Yeah. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe I can't talk about it to a friend. Well, then what do I do? There's nothing left for us to do. You would think that Title IX would have like a survivor support group or something that you could go to where you're mm -hmm. not any report you're not obligated to speak to someone from Title Nine. you're not obligated to tell your friends yet or go to therapy you can just sit and you know maybe like a group circle type situation just like listen to what's going on mm -hmm. um i actually started a survivor support group on my facebook if anyone's interested in that you can friend me on facebook my name on there is sophie rose um oh, yeah. You can also follow her on Twitter as well. <laughs> yes, you can. I, those are the two places where you'll see me talk about this subject matter a lot. So those are the best places to look to look at. But yeah, if you're interested in the group, um, just friend me and you can message me about it and I will add you. But we're lacking that. We're lacking support for mm -hmm. So, So then would you say then that the that the issue is just a matter of access to those resources then? Um, no. Or there's not enough people knowing? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the issue? Uh, so um, I know, no, um, no, no, it's, no, it's so just the access of resources or having the resources out there that, you know, survivors can like have easier access, you know, to. Um, especially because like a lot, like a lot of the times too, um, it is just a matter of like figuring out like where those resources are or what is the best proper resource, I guess you could say, to be able to go to have, you know, to go to that, you know, place for better reporting, you know, and stuff like that and make sure that all like the guidelines is being followed or just making sure like there is like due process within like that particular case, I guess. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, I know what you're getting at. So I have I have an answer to that. Mm -hmm. um, I think we we as a community can solve. I mean, you know, air quotes around solve because there's obviously no solving, but there's we can do something about one part of that issue, and I think that is a support, like some sort of support group, because it mm -hmm. doesn't, as far as I've seen, it does not exist. So it's not like access. It's like, there isn't anything. Um, so I've started something small. I have considered starting an actual group that could be in person. It just, I didn't start it yet because of the pandemic. And I didn't know, you know, if doing something online would make more sense, which it probably would. 
Mm-hmm. But I think we can fill the gap there. And that that will be extremely helpful. Even if it's mm-hmm. just connecting people, they don't want to be in the whole group. Okay, I can connect you with one person who's mm-hmm. a subscriber and you guys can, you know, text or call or FaceTime or meet up for coffee. Mm-hmm. That way you have somebody. But the Title IX issue is hard because it's it's a local Eastern Michigan University issue, but there are like national policy issues with Title IX. Mm-hmm. And because of the politics of universities, this isn't a new story. You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so, so much that we can actually do. We just need to, we just have to beg the university to listen. Mm-hmm. Which is what we, I mean, by we, I'm speaking just as a survivor and for other survivors. It's what mm-hmm. we've been doing. Um, you know, they, they famously responded in an email to all of this commotion and said that our campus is safe. Quote, yes. quote, our campus is safe, end quote. Mm-hmm. Um, our president sent an email saying that. And, you know, I'd like to ask the president if he's ever been a female walking alone on campus or on the outskirts around the fraternities and the sororities and those little mm-hmm. areas that are really close by. I don't know. It might change things a little bit for him. Um, mm-hmm. There, the university's inaction says more than an email apology. And it indirectly, whether they're doing it on purpose or not, it indirectly protects rapists. So it doesn't matter if they have the right intentions or a few of them do in their heart and they really do feel bad. Mm-hmm. Their actions have are what have allowed this many women, men, and non-binary individuals to endure sexual assault and rape on our campus. And the way they're handling it is allowing our assault to continue and allowing our trauma to continue Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it, I don't know what the right word, like heinous. Like, it's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And, and just even to, you know, add on to that, you know, wanting to, you know, create like a space, you know, and support for survivors. I mean, I made this podcast like exactly for that. Um, but also too, just to bring more awareness and more light to it too, um, because like it, it's we also run into the issue as a community where it's tra- I wouldn't I wouldn't say trendy activism, but it's just like when we perform some form of activism, it just sort of like have this like sort of like plateau of like oh man we are talking about it we are talking about it oh we're we're going we're going we're talking and then. Boom, just just nothing after a few months or so, you know, um, especially when things are just, you know, slowly are getting back to like, oh, business as usual sort, sort of view. Um, so it's it's like one of those things where like, you know, we have to like try and keep the conversation going, but at the same time, it's also like figuring out like how to like best go about that too, whether it's within like, whether it's within like the community of Eastern or outside it as well too, you know. Um, 
So, um, and, and like with that said, um, so, you know, what, what would you, what would you like to see like change or have happen within like the near future, especially, you know, school almost starting back in like the next couple of months and stuff and wanting, you know, more like awareness around this issue and like more like conversations surrounding this. Um, I mean, I, I hate to phrase it this way, but I feel like the first thing that comes to mind is a bit unrealistic, mm-hmm. but, um, I just think that, and this is, this is hard coming from somebody who's an alumni of Greek life. I'm going to mention Greek life here because this is what I'm about mm-hmm. to talk about, but I think Greek life is like a hot spot for rape culture. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can describe it. Like rape culture exists everywhere. Um, but there are hot spots and an example, another example of that would be in athletics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, we get a lot of the same kind of apologies from fraternities that we get mm-hmm. from university. They're kind of the same thing. It's like, they didn't seem to care until all the media had its eyes on them mm-hmm. and then they apologized and if you cared you would have always cared you know mm-hmm. and you know fraternities are making strides here like a lot of them have um started like a sexual assault awareness like chair position or like where they're going to do programming to educate their members mm-hmm. just Although I'm glad that they're, you know, people are stepping up and creating those positions and um, trying to do that. I don't know. I just think it would be better if fraternities would say, I don't want to be a part of it. I can still have a brotherhood without these Greek letters. Mm-hmm. And we're going to respectfully remove our chapter from campus. Yeah. I, that's, and that's a big ask. And you're like, what do you want to see happen? Mm-hmm. I would love to see that happen. I think if that happened, if even one fraternity did that, imagine they would speak volumes. Mm-hmm. I feel like that would send like a vibration. Like I would feel it in my apartment. Like if there would be an earthquake in here if someone did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah. Because action. Like that's, you, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. actions speak louder than words. And that's. Yeah. One. that's a big action yeah it is and I'm, and i mean like you know as someone i'm also like an alumni of that was pretty life too i i'm the president of a fraternity too so like i really wanted to like use my fraternity to be of good to like the community as a whole too especially with just a lot of the shit that has been going on you know on on campus and the community and stuff but it's also realizing too being a part of the community how much there is still that needs to be changed but how much there has been just a lot of talk and not really action even though like you know you want people to be like oh man do like do this do that and have it like soon soon as possible um it's still like again one of those things you know where like change takes time you know actions take time um but realistically speaking like if you if you care about your community at all, you will be doing every everything that you can possibly can, whether you're an organization, an individual, or what have you, 
of being able to be like, all right, here's how we are going to make our community better, not only for us, but for everyone else that's involved here. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, once we leave, a next generation of people, next generation of students are going to take out sort of the mantle that we sort of left behind, you know. And it's also wanting to make sure, like, those, like, those like new students don't have to don't like experience what we have to experience or go through what we had to go through you know being on this campus seeing like a lot of like the friction and the politics that happened too but also too just for the simple fact too that like you know everyone sort of has also had that mentality of just like oh we're going to be number one we're number one it's like how can you be number one if you know your community is sort of in shitter <laughs> you know <laughs> So it's, yeah, so, but um, with, you know, but with that, just, so, you know, after, so after everything that sort of happened, so after everything that happened and going through the process and you mentioned your attorneys and stuff, um, especially over things that happened like this, like past like year and this past semester, um, what, so what was your where was your headspace at when everything that went down went down last semester and then you going through what you're going through with like having to speak with your attorney and stuff like that if you if you can delve into that if not if not yeah. That's okay. yeah so in case people like aren't aware what we're referring to um, the big like the big offenders names that you can find if you look up sexual assault Eastern University, uh, Eastern Michigan University, you can, like, those names came out in the news uh, mm -hmm. around last August, yeah. oh, the end, yeah. and really close to school, so it started school, like, right after, and throughout this year, it's kind of been, um, it's kind of like you said, like a graph, like, where it'll spike. And it'll come back down and it's been doing that kind of all year depending on what's been in, in the media and and kind of like what people in the community have been talking about especially on twitter mm -hmm. i feel like twitter's the place like if if we're having a big conversation about this you're gonna see it all over twitter um with, with a bunch of people who went here and who are going here currently um for me and i'm sure for many many others um having this stuff be brought up reintroduces a lot of PTSD mm -hmm. to your daily life. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it's not an easy thing, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think like it had, it had all this happened. I don't think I would have had the courage to go to the police or, and I don't think I would have, I think I wouldn't have been mm -hmm. a part of a lawsuit like all this stuff wouldn't have happened um the way that it is and even though it's a lot of trauma and it's a lot of bringing stuff to the surface that maybe you just wanted to kind of let live and let live you know mm -hmm. it's all it's kind of all worth it being in that headspace if it means that we're going to form a community of survivors in the minimum. That's mm -hmm. what Because that's at the very least what, what, what has happened and what's going to continue to happen. And if, you know, 
hopefully better it's going to better our community in the process and it's going to bring awareness like we have been for the past year mm-hmm. the issue here but everywhere because it exists everywhere just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there so mm-hmm. I, promise, I promise it's there um but yeah i mean ptsd you know you fail some classes or you you know mm-hmm. <laughs> are harder um that sort of thing i feel like daily that's kind of how it affects it affects people i don't know it's, it can be different for everyone but mm-hmm. it makes yeah. it really hard for me mm, yeah uh, i i can only imagine um and just just hearing just hearing that and this also just thinking about what you know the people i know personally know like one through and stuff and how that like even that helped me as a as a person as a dude how much i feel like i can't really do much to help with them in the way that i believe they they, they can um but you know we're still wanting to try and figure out ways to like be an ally be there to support them you know and stuff um because you know i you know i don't want this to like happen to like anyone else like you know you don't want this to happen to anyone else um no one no one that's ever been affected by this whether they're a survivor an ally or whatever just don't want this to happen to everyone else but it's still like a it's still like a thing that's just it's still like going on and like yeah it's cool that we're in the day and age of the internet and the pandemic really has brought to light a lot of stuff but still at the same time there's still a lot of work that still needs to be done you know um so for, so you know for that uh i i also know like you have some stuff they wrote some stuff down um so would you like to uh share share a little bit of that stuff <laughs> yeah no i have i have kind of i've collected like over this past year i, I kind of like when all of it started i started a workshop just so that i could have something so that mm-hmm. at some point maybe i can you know speak to people hopefully in real life because i think it has more impact mm-hmm. um, to go to groups and speak to them real in real time mm-hmm. like to their face because then they like have to feel the shock of what you're saying but yeah. something i did want to mention because you said this just a second ago and i've heard this a lot is that specifically men who want to be allies feel like they don't know how to be and i've heard this on numerous occasions i've had you know when twitter was in, in a boom of this, i've had men dm me and say like i want to be an ally but i don't know what to say mm-hmm. um i'm supposed to do or like what's the right thing because they don't want to do the wrong thing um i know i'm generalizing when i say men but that's kind of like the experience i've had is that it's always been a man Mm-hmm. saying this so i actually have um in this workshop i included some things that um man or woman or non-binary individual you can do to be an ally mm-hmm. um and these are pretty simple these are pretty simple like, specifically targeted like, at them but mm-hmm. everyone can do this stuff um the first thing is it has to do with toxic masculinity if you break it down toxic masculinity is simply a mask that's all it is i feel like you have to act a certain way Mm -hmm. to a certain group of people 
Mm -hmm. You know, toxic masculinity largely contributes to rape culture. Like when I think rape culture, I also think toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. They go together. What you can do is when you notice toxic masculine behavior in your friends, you can call them out on their mm-hmm. behavior, which is holding people accountable. You can do it in a nice way. You don't have to do it in front of other people if you don't want to. You can always pull them aside or send them a text. I mean, in person is probably better, but you can just be yeah. safe. Um, and you can say, like, when you said this, it made me feel like this. And it could make a larger group of people feel like this. And it's not cool. Like, it doesn't make you look more impressive. <laughs> like, I, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I think that there's also, like, especially with men, there's there's like a stigma around having emotions mm-hmm. showing your emotions and so if, if um, a man is in any way uh, emotional or feminine because I feel like emotions and being feminine are very much mm-hmm. um, connected and that's why it's bad for a man to have feelings um, if you know if you're a guy or a girl and a guy who you're with is having emotions make space for them to have that you know tell them like if they're having trouble experiencing it just say like it's okay for you to feel things mm-hmm. like give yourself a minute like make some space for what you're feeling mm-hmm. like try to expand yourself around it like feel the emotion in a little bubble in your body and expand yourself around it like you're giving it a hug it helps I do this in therapy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, learning therapy because then you're not being toxically masculine. You're not calling them out for having feelings and saying that, oh, they're a pussy because they have feelings. No. Mm-hmm. And, you, yeah. you know, all of this doesn't seem like it applies to rape culture, but it all does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off, um, but... I, is that like as like as like a dude like yeah like when you when you're like growing up you're you're typically just like oh man you're showing you're crying oh don't don't cry <laughs> you know uh just hold it in and stuff like that too um and then there's also like the fact too of like if you show like a little bit of a, like feminine behavior then it's like oh yeah you're 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 not a dude you know, and you know, I won't say this derogatory term on live and stuff, yeah, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just so again, it is like one of those things too, where like, you know, a guy can't really express the little too, but it's also like too, where like they also don't understand like the matter of self control too, um, especially if just like, oh yeah, if you're a dude and you see a girl, like definitely go after her, you know, stuff like right. that. And it's like no, just you know what that is what. That- Toxic masculinity leads to that. It leads to this social and sexual dominance that men feel like they need to have. Mm. And that's where rape culture comes from. Yeah. What I'm trying to do is like soften the underbelly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that, um, you know, we can do some stuff by protesting on campus, but this is something we can't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
Like this is something you do with your friends. Yeah. Like yeah. if you're a man and you're hanging out with all the guys and it might seem uncool for you to be like, hey, that was toxically masculine. I don't care. You need to care about rape and it not happening. You need to call your friends out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is accountability. You know, like everyone is like ready to point the fingers at each other, but it's like, hey, you got one, you got three fingers pointing right back at you, you know? Because you're a part of the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's the system, not the individual. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, so in what ways then would you say uh, we could do to help? improve the system or make it better or you know more ways and just really you know opening more of that space for like guys to be able to fully express themselves without judgment without feeling like they need to you know uh you know socially have to do this because you know they're a guy they're supposed to they have to do this you know um but like also just like a matter of like accountability too and what that would look like too, because I feel like if people talk about accountability, you're all like, "Oh, okay, yeah, we could do, we could easily do that," and it's just like, "Well, you're not really showing that, or showing that level of accountability, you know, that people like expect." So, what are, I guess, what I'm saying is, what are your expectations of accountability, um, and like a, in like the macro sense, and and micro. Okay. <laughs> well, I'll start with macro because I think I have three things. Um, I think the first thing is to just broaden your understanding of what rape culture is. Because you need to understand it. So you have access to the internet. There's no excuse for you to not. No, you know yeah. what I mean? So go online, do some reading, go on the, the website, rain, R-A-I-N-N.com, read on there. I've been on there for hours before. <laughs> um, it's a good resource. Just mm -hmm. educate yourself first off on what rape culture is. The second thing is to approach the topic with an intersectional lens. Mm -hmm. So I know I literally I wrote that in here. That's why it's so well put together. Yeah. Trust me, I didn't just like think of that on the spot. But um, okay. the intersectional term, the way I'm using it here, what it means is like the overlap of social identities contributing to the specific type of oppression and discrimination experienced by an individual. Mm -hmm. So that can mean a couple different things depending on um, the individual you're uh, maybe referring to or whatever, yeah. but you can't look at rape culture without an intersectional lens. You have to look at it with one. Mm -hmm. The third thing is um, to practice consent. Don't assume it. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's something very that important. if you're not used to, um, not that you're, you know, not that everyone's a rapist because that's mm -hmm. not a rapist. But there are like little things you can do daily that even I can, that I've started doing daily that are more, um, they incorporate consent. I have a mm -hmm. young friend, they're like five years old and I'm, you know, I want to give them a hug. I've been saying, oh, come over here and give me a hug. Hey, can, can I give you a hug? Mm -hmm. If your friend is um, feeling, I don't know, they're feeling sad, 
and you want to comfort them, mm -hmm. you know, you can ask like to what level they feel comfortable being comforted because you don't you don't want to overstep someone's boundaries. It's almost like practicing boundaries, but in a more conservative way. Mm -hmm. You know, in a daily sense, we're not always crossing sexual lines. Mm -hmm. So I think those are like three big ways you can try and um, stand up against rape culture, as well as, like I said, holding people accountable. That's just obvious, but, you know. Mm -hmm. For sure. And also, I apologize for the dog barking in the background. I am currently at my house, so I am in the, like, uh, in the neighborhood, so that's like a neighbor dog parking. Um, so sorry to all those that uh, might be watching and have been like coming in and out and stuff. Um, so my my apologies, but continue on, Sophie. Yeah, I think the one thing I wanted to say is my friend. Um, when I was working on this workshop, I actually like wrote a note here and I like quoted him because he said this as I was like working on it. His name's Chaz. So if you're in the community, oh. he is. Mm -hmm. um, he said, hyper masculinity is a pandemic. Interesting. Yeah. But think about that. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. If I mean people weren't, if, if that, I'm telling you, it's the top, this is my toxic masculinity card, everybody. Mm -hmm. Um <laughs> It's because it needs its own card because it's very important. Um, so, like, think about athletes in a locker room. And mm -hmm. might be passed back and forth verbally with them, mm -hmm. right? That, that is hyper-masculinity. And mm -hmm. that is rape culture. And if, if we would do those those things I was saying to soften the underbelly, that would work. That would do so much to change rape culture. So much. For sure. Uh, so uh, we went over a little bit of time, uh, but before we go, do you have any? Uh, last things that you want to tell to everyone that's watching this live and then watching this on youtube after it's all done and stuff um so uh just so you guys are aware this is also being recorded on youtube as well so if you missed the uh live stream you can watch it on the youtube channel uh at uh at here so if you want to be notified for new episodes just follow the youtube channel at the tell your story podcast um so um I'll be having the next episode next week. Um, but yeah, um, so besides that, but what would you like to say, Sophie, before everyone before we depart on this fine day? Yeah, so I obviously don't have time to like go into everything that I would love to talk about on this topic because there's so much more, mm -hmm. a lot more. <laughs> um, but if you are someone who's been sexually assaulted or you know someone who's been sexually assaulted, and you need support or you don't know how to give support, I DM me, you know, I will help you. I will support you individually um, in any way that I can. Um, just, you know, support, support your friends and, and hold people accountable. Hold 
the university accountable. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And all right, before we leave, uh, don't forget, if you want to talk to Sophie, you can follow her on Twitter at SweetPeeper. Um, and then if you would like to follow her on Facebook, uh, can you mention your Facebook so everyone uh, can know where to find you? Yeah, my Facebook is just my name. It's just Sophie Rose. Should be Rose, is not my last name that's on here, but yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, and, uh, and then um, with that said, um, I am also doing a virtual 5K on sexual assault awareness. Um, and wanting to raise uh, money for Rain, uh, at, as she mentioned earlier. Uh, so Rain, uh, if you don't know what it is, <laughs> is a uh, anti-sexual violence organization um, that deals with like the education of sexual assault awareness, how to how to how to sort of spot it, um, and uh, they also do uh, seminars and help make trainings for a lot of different communities and organizations too. Um, <clears throat> they also work with a thousand uh, different like sexual assault like providers. So they go out of their way to like make sure to work on a local level too, um, making sure that again, survivors have a space, but also have like the resources necessary to help, you know, bring more awareness to this and stuff like that too. Um, so the <clears throat> virtual 5K will be on this month, July 23rd. Uh, you can join either on the Just Move app um, or you can follow on the Facebook page. Um, but if you want me to send you the link, um, you can also follow me on Instagram, um, which is my social media handle at Quanzo underscore Wyatt. Um, so with that said, uh, uh, thank you, Sophie, for being on the podcast and being my first guest. Oh, and also, if you're wondering, if you guys are wondering why <clears throat> there's only one, um, <clears throat> it's also just because of the fact that, you know, people have, like, things to do. Um, a couple of people uh, dropped out, but, you know, a couple of people said that they want to come to next week's episode. So also, next week's episode will be around either the same time or a little bit later. Uh, I'll let you know tomorrow or Sunday uh, what the what the uh, time is for the next one. Um, and Sophie, if you would like to be on the next episode too, you're more than welcome to. If you want to finish off the rest of what you wanted to say too that we couldn't get to today. Um, but yeah, uh, again, thank you guys for tuning in, and hope to see you guys uh, next next week. So.